Mr. Matt Osborne, if you want to come up here today. Brother, we're going to have a, a third installment in uh, a word about evangelism. We had two weeks ago, uh, Josh and Stacy Ingalls, uh, Ingle missionaries who are now in Paris and uh, shared with us just some practical uh, advice um, and some, some, some practical paths you can follow with people in sharing your faith. And then without knowing that, I, and Matt had a word uh, last week kind of lined up with that, and he shared uh, about evangelism and, and really just the entrance of that through from Genesis to Revelation, the Lord's story he's telling. Did anyone do their homework this last week, by the way? Did anyone do your homework? All right, yeah, a few of you, stars for you. Um, we have two uh, people groups that he was uh, speaking of. He's going to, I think, maybe speak into that just a little bit. Uh, uh, Aranga, uh, Aranga people and Karamajong people. Uh, and uh, the Joshua Project uh, has uh, some stats on the website that we sent out. So if you didn't see that, if you didn't get a chance, you'll be blessed to go research that. There's also scriptural prayers there uh, to pray. But let me uh, say a prayer for us for this word, and um, we'll go from here. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this season, God. We thank you, Father, for these testimonies, and we thank you for freedom. Lord, I pray that you would make us all faithful witnesses in the name of Jesus. Bless Matt as he brings this word again, Lord. I pray you would give us ears to hear, a heart to understand, Lord. I pray distraction be lifted, Father. And we are asking, Father, for the gospel of the kingdom to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth, that the end might come, Lord. So just glorify yourself through this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, thank you for those testimonies. Those were very encouraging words. Um, I apologize in advance to those watching online. I am all over the place. Um, so who did the homework? Jonathan did, thank you. Jason did. Okay, so why would, why would I throw that out there for you to... Just for a little bit to think about, you know, um, there's people all over the world. There's 7,400 nations that are considered unreached. 7,400 people groups plus considered unreached. And we talked last week about what unreached means. Unreached means that it's likely that uh, you could live your entire life and not ever meet a Christian in that people group. It doesn't mean that they're unevangelized. It means that there's just simply not the church there. There's not people there telling about Jesus. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read our scripture for the week. It's uh, Psalm chapter 25. If you would turn there. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. 
Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. It's the word of the Lord. So I asked about a couple of people groups. Um, I asked about this because I'm kind of a a nerd about peoples. Um, I've got a stack of people groups up here if you want to know more. Um, but uh, the, the Karamajongs and the Oringa, who saw a video last time I was in Uganda? Um, I sent a video back and we played it here. You remember that video? It's kind of cool what happened up there, right? Well, that was amongst the Karamajongs. Did you know that? That video about uh, a whole village had given up their temple site and said, hey, we want a church building here. We want the Lord to be praised here. Um, I brought that up because it's easy for us to not know. In our culture, it's easy for us to, to just go about our daily life and not, what's going on, not know what's going on in the world, not know the condition of Christianity in the world, not know the, the considerable lostness that people are birthed into and live their entire lives and perhaps die without knowing. Um, one of the places that uh, I go to learn how to pray for the nations is this book right here. This book, everybody seen this book? Before? Anybody seen this book before? It's called Operation World. Who's been in this book? Spent time in this book. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, read. Uh, you can literally get lost in here. There's nations on every day of the year for you to, to pray about, pray for. Um, this, uh, because this book weighs about eight pounds, I don't recommend it. Um, you can actually get it on an iPhone now. There's an app called Operation World. So I would encourage you, download that app, uh, pull it up and learn something about what's going on in the world. Every day you'll get a new nation to pray for. Some of them are reached, some of them are not, but you'll know then. And as you, as you become more informed, it really changes your prayer life. This is another book put out by YWAM. It's called uh, 100 Gateway Cities of the 1040 Windows. Anybody, everybody know what the 1040 window is? It's a big block of the world that has all the red dots on the unreached people group maps or the people group maps. 
It's the area of the world where uh, very few are going, very little money is going, the, uh, the numbers are striking there, but uh, that has a hundred different cities in the world in these un unreached areas that uh, you can begin being informed about and learn how to pray for those areas. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth what? Much. That's right. So one of the primary ways in which we engage in God's, God's ministry, his heart for the world, well, as we get on our knees and we, we come into alignment with his heart and we begin to pray for the things that he cares about. And uh, I'm thankful to be a part of a, a church that does that regularly, um, that makes it a priority to uh, engage in prayer for the lost and to engage in prayer for one another. Prayer is where it begins. Um, the, I think it was Samuel Zwimmer who said, the history of missions is the history of answered prayer. So true. What was, I gave two homework assignments. What was the other one? Anybody remember? I'm letting you off the hook because I waited till I was done and everybody's out the door already. But uh, Matthew 24, 14. What does Matthew 24, 14 say? Does anybody know? And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, then the end will come. What was the question I asked you to consider? I said, if we believe this is true, what would be the plan against it? What would the enemy say or do or stir up, perhaps, to keep that from happening? Any thoughts? Go ahead, shout them out. Audience participation point. What is it? Stop preaching the gospel for many reasons, right? There's lots of reasons of fear. Um, maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe I just don't feel convicted that I should. Um, lots of reasons why we wouldn't preach the gospel, right? What else? What was that here? Keep the, unreached, unreached. Keep the unreached unreached. Yes, because then that's going to be a bad deal. What about preaching a different gospel? Jonathan said, what about preaching the gospel of you? It's all about you and your happiness and comfort and convenience. Huh? Fear of going, right? Yeah, raise your hand if you're afraid to go overseas. My hand is up. I want you to know that. <laughs> my hand is up. I was just telling my, my daughter about this. My kids, I think this morning, I can't remember, I talk a lot. Um, every time I go, I have to overcome fear. Every time. There's, there's something that rises up in my heart. I have to deal with something. So that's one thing that might happen to us. We get, we're simply afraid. What else? Apathy, getting lulled to sleep. Does that happen? Well, we talked about it last week in the story, didn't we? What we talked about last week was uh, God's story throughout all of Scripture. And if you recall, I said there's, the Bible has uh, basically three parts to it. 
There's an introduction, Genesis chapter 1 through 11, and then the plot is Genesis 12 through Jude, and the conclusion is the book of Revelation. And so it's one story with one theme. And what was that theme? Does anybody remember? It was that uh, the Bible, or the main theme is God's great love for the nations in Christ Jesus. God blesses his people so that they will be a blessing by boldly, sacrificially, and selflessly laboring to demonstrate his love through heralding his kingdom by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not, not the, the partial gospel, perhaps, or a false gospel, but actually proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like, his kingdom has arrived. Let's all turn from whatever we were doing and be a part of that, right? Yeah. So um, we went through uh, the introduction. I, I'm going to do a quick review. Um, the introduction, Genesis 1 through 11, you have the creation, you have the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. And, and if you remember, uh, we, we ended the introduction of Babel. And it kind of plays into what we just talked about, what uh, James just brought up. But uh, because of man's urge to settle, God steps in and scatters them, ultimately filling the earth just as he had originally intended to do. But he did it in a way that uh, the people didn't like very much. He changed their language. And uh, the nations were birthed. And then we got into the plot. The plot begins in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And um, I was just reading this week that John Stott, has anybody, anybody ever heard of John Stott? Would you say like that guy's an authoritative dude on scripture? Like, yeah, I mean, that guy, he's famous. He said these words, he said, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3 is the most important passage of scripture. <laughs> What? Wow. And we started talking about that, uh, that Genesis chapter 12 uh, quote. Can we get that up on the screen? God came to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we talked about that covenant that God made with Abram and that he had repeated it five times in the book of Genesis. Five times. That covenant blessing five times. Remarkable. Why do you think God repeats himself? He wants us to hear it. We're stubborn, right? We got we to hear it over and over again. But five times in the book of Genesis alone, he gives that blessing, that covenant and then we went through the rest and we, we just talked about how the, it's literally Genesis 12 on repeat as you go through the Old Testament all the way up to the New Testament. And we got to the New Testament and we were talking about, hey, you know what? It's very similar. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, we could literally have been there all day long pulling out all the scriptures. There's hundreds of scriptures that talk about God's purpose to bless all the nations and to call all peoples unto himself.
And then we get to the New Testament. And I wonder, does, does it change much in the New Testament? We began talking about the scriptures uh, in the New Testament in Mark chapter 11. Verse 15, and they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And then we went on to Matthew 24. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And at that point, I think it was that point that I began to tell a story. Does anybody remember that story? A story uh, it's been stunning in my life. It's changed me. I was telling about the village of Karuti, about how we were there bapt, uh, backpacking in a, in a South Asian country preaching the gospel, and we had been pouring it out, laying it out, and got to the end of the week and made this trek on this death march, met the mayor that morning, he gets saved, he welcomes us into a village that night, says, you got to preach to my people, we wake up the next morning, he says, go preach to that village, and we're like, okay, we go, nobody accepts Jesus, it shocked us, because everywhere we had been, Jesus had been accepted and received as Lord. We backpacked down the mountain, and we were reminding ourselves, it's not our job to save, it's our job to show up and open our mouths. We get to the bottom and one of our team members falls down. And what, what did he fall down under? It was exhaustion. Bamboo, right? Do we have a picture of that? We do. Um, you can't see it all too well. Um, it was funny, I, was, uh, I got this picture from uh, my, my friend Lance and uh, I was showing it to my kids this week. And... Uh, one of them was like, Dad, you're not in there. And one of my sons, my oldest son, whom I love, <laughs> said, sure he is. Just imagine him uh, 10 years younger and 30 pounds lighter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm actually in there. Um, but if you, it's kind of hard to see up here on the screen, but that was the bamboo tunnel that we had fallen down under. And uh, look beyond, what's, what's beyond the tunnel? The railroad tracks, right? Well, this is after uh, we had spent time and we were getting ready to go and, and Matt was still trying to decide whether he wanted to go, not me, the other one. And um, we were there for a while. I told you we were there for a while. I believe God doesn't do anything by accident. <laughs> we were there for a long time. And uh, it was so that we would remember it. I told you we had come back two years later and the whole village was saved. The whole village that had rejected the gospel, the whole village was now worshiping Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should get excited about that. We began asking, well, what happened? Remember I told you about the village chief. He's wearing a loincloth. He's got a stick and a baby. Like, you know, he's walking up. He's got a baby on his hip and his walking stick and he's got his little fetish or God on his necklace there and he says the rest of these people want to follow Jesus or the rest of these people want to go to hell um, I can't help that I've got a couple commitments to my God 
then I'll follow Jesus. Strange. A year later, they came back, the team members came back, and they were asking, they ran into somebody that knew, and they had a plan. They're going to go back to Karuti. They got to know the rest of the story. You know, Paul Harvey didn't fill them in on it, so they had to go find out for themselves. They go and they meet the pastor of the village. The pastor of the village began telling this story. He says, you know, that village chief and that baby that was in his arms, that baby got sick. That baby almost died and the whole village is gathered around and they're praying to their gods and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening at all. That baby's going to die. And they remembered some men who walked into their village and told them about the Creator and told them about the one who died to bring freedom and life. And that village chief didn't know what to do other than pray to a God he didn't know. And he said, if you save my child, I'll follow you. Somebody had heard about somebody down at the bottom of the mountain at the train station who regularly goes there to talk to people about that God. I imagine he probably walked right through there and took a right on the tracks just like we did and walked to that train station and there was a man of God there who prayed over that baby. That baby was healed. The whole village was saved because of that prayer. They had heard the gospel and that, that tragedy, potential tragedy in their life. The whole village comes to Jesus and decides to worship him. But now there's all these new baby Christians who do not know what. <laughs> they don't know what it means to follow Jesus. They don't have a Bible. They don't have a church. They don't have, I mean, they just, all they have is faith in the Holy Spirit, right? Good enough. <laughs> right? So they're praying, Lord, would you send us a pastor? And the pastor goes on explaining the story to the team. And he says, you know, I lived three hours away from here by foot. Never even heard of this place. The Lord Jesus came to me in a dream. He said, you're, good, you're to go to that train station. You're going to walk down the tracks. And you're going to turn through a bamboo tunnel. And my people are at the top of the mountain. Go shepherd them. Is Jesus good? Yes. Is the whole thing rigged? <laughs> He's going to reach his people. He's going to reach the nations. They're all going to worship him. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Is Jesus a missionary? You know, I was thinking about it this week. God's only begotten son. He takes his only begotten son and makes him a missionary. And sends him. This is the guy we're following. I don't, I don't like the word missions personally. I just don't think it exists. I just think there's a commission. And everything we do is to be about his glory, everything. 
We're sending things to Haiti. We're blessing Jan. We're, we're mobilizing people there at times to work alongside. We're working in Pregnancy Family Resource Center. We're doing any number, countless things in this room. It's all for his glory. It's all for his name. And everything we're doing is mission-oriented, isn't it? I know that uh, I am passionate about going to the nations. Um, I've been accused of being overly zealous about that. Um, I, I apologize if, <laughs> if, if you think that. Um, I, that's just who he made me to be, but he made, he made you to be somebody. Be it. Go to your people. Whoever he's put in your path, go to him. Love him. Show him Jesus. Preach the gospel. Proclaim his salvation. Do it. Jesus' ministry, the guy that we are following, in Luke chapter 4, 42 through 43, he says, And the people sought him and, and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. The man we're following, I must do it. I can't help but do it. I want to urge you. To consider, is preaching the gospel a must in my life? Because it's supposed to be. And it's not a condemnation thing. Like, I want to challenge you. If it's not, that's okay. Man, we've all been there. I was there. I'm there some days. Like, this week I was there one day. I just got to get back in Christ. It's that simple, isn't it? Back in Christ. Okay. I'm going to get back on your path, Jesus. I'm following you. I must preach the gospel. It's a good thing to go and preach the gospel. The mandate that he gave to his followers, this is what it's all about. The Great Commission. Everybody knows the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says... It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is Lord. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. A little side note on the Great Commission. We're not obeying the Great Commission by making disciples alone. We're commanded to make disciples of all nations. This is not the only Great Commission text. It's not. There's five. There's five. At this point, the number five was mentioned earlier. <laughs> five times in the book of Genesis, five times in the New Testament. Five means something in the Bible. Anybody have that? Grace. Grace. <laughs> so good. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The Great Commission. It's not the only Great Commission text. There's five. 
Luke 24, 46 through 47, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. There it is again, all nations. That's not the only one. There's five. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Just as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. This is the guy we're following. Go, make disciples of all nations, wherever they may be. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and some area and to the end of the earth. You know, I was thinking about this. Jesus' last words, you can just imagine his disciples, his apostles, they go out, right? They're going all over the world at this point, right? Not really. <laughs> they settled right where they were. But you can imagine, like in the book of Acts, you would expect when you look in the book of Acts that you would see, now guys, remember what Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, you would think that's what they said, but it's just simply not what they said. They didn't repeat that. It's, isn't that shocking to you? Like, I would have expected, like, the book of Acts would be full of what Jesus had said about going to all the world and make disciples. What did they say instead? Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. They repeated the Abrahamic covenant over and over and over again. Acts 3, 25, Hebrews 6, 13 through 15, Galatians 3, 8. There's many places where they do it. It's not what we see. The book of Acts is a testimony of the account of the gospel spreading to the ends of the earth. And it begins after they didn't obey. Jesus gives them the Great Commission in Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And we all know Acts 8.1 is where it breaks out. But they didn't go anywhere. They stayed put in Jerusalem. Does that remind you of anything? Whether you're settling in the plains of Shinar or the plains of Jerusalem or the plains of Kansas... It's still settling. Imagine you were there. What would it be like? I can just imagine the conversations. You know, we all look the same. We talk the same. We eat the same foods. We dress the same. Our kids go to the same school. like the same football teams. Go Chiefs, right? Just imagine. It was probably very similar to what just happened years ago. And if we're not careful, it can happen to us. And as the persecution begins, so does the scattering. And the Lord adds great numbers to their missionary force through persecution as the disciples go out. Now, just a little word real quick about whether I'm called to missions or not, because I hear this a lot. I'm just, I haven't heard the call to missions. And don't receive this as any kind of uh, anything other than, man, maybe I ought to check that out a little more. Um, 99% of the people that were mobilized cross-culturally in the book of Acts, 
were mobilized because of persecution. There was no call there. It was, I mean, think about that. There's 1% left. Most of those were asked. Paul asked them, hey, come with me. Let's go. Some of them were sent out by their church. Well, you might say, well, what about uh, there at uh, Antioch when the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to? Where's Antioch? It's not Jerusalem. (laughs) They were already cross-cultural when that happened. They were already obeying the Lord. One thing I've learned in my life is as as I obey him, as I take little baby steps of faith, anybody else learn this? As you take baby steps of faith, he blesses you and he gives you guidance as you go. As you go. The story continues through the book of Acts and then you see all the letters written to the churches because they're people. And they need instruction. They need a lot of correction, a lot of encouragement along the way. But the book, the story, the story comes to an end and the conclusion Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. These are the events that are bringing things to a close. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. God is a global God. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down, fell down before the lamb, each holding with a harp, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you are slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, It's important to connect what's happening in Revelation with what God began in Genesis chapter 12 in the life of Abraham. It's Genesis 12 on repeat. God will do it. There will be every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group bowing and worshiping at his feet. Heaven is multicultural. Hallelujah. We're kind of boring. 
God is a missionary God, and from cover to cover, he's showing us his mission and his word. Will you join him in bringing a representative from every people group to his throne? It will happen. It will happen. The only question is, will we be a part of it? So how are we doing at accomplishing God's great purpose in the nation or in the worlds among the nations? I talked to you about uh, people groups. A people group is the largest group within which the gospel can spread without encountering a barrier of understanding either language or acceptance of culture. A prime example of this, uh, I don't know if I talked to you all about the Dogon people. Um, I was in uh, Mali um, incidentally, was in our Operation World Prayer Guide for last week, Mali. Um, I was there, and there's these people in southern Mali, the Dogon people, that uh, there's churches there. But we had been sent by the International Mission Board of Southern Baptists to go and explore across the border into Burkina Faso because there's Dogon there that were unreached. And because of the barrier, the gospel was not going across the border between Mali and Burkina Faso. And so we go and we explore, and yeah, they're, they're, there are churches, but they're syncretized. It's not, the, it's not the gospel. It's a partial, mixed-up gospel. So we went and we did the research, and, and we came back. And, and now, uh, that's just an example. There's two people groups called the Dogon of Mali, the Dogon of Burkina Faso. And there's a barrier to the gospel there. They're not the same people. Um, so that's how missiologists describe it. Um, they are considered unreached. And right now, if you go there, um, even when we were there, we were getting uh, State Department traffic as we were going back that terrorism's on the rise in this city you were just in last night. It's a, it's a common thing, and I can tell you right now, I don't know that I would have the courage to go there today um, because it's gotten really bad in Burkina Faso and, and Mali. Islam, ISIS is on the move there. Um, But the gospel is going to go there. I have faith in that. The unreached, uh, an unreached people group is a people group where the number of Christians within that group are non-existent or insignificant to reach that people group for Christ. They have no way of knowing about Jesus. There are 7.9 billion people on the planet. Do I have that slide? It's very small. Please get out your binoculars. There's 7.9 billion people on the planet, 17,400 total people groups, 3.33 billion people, or roughly 42% of all the people on the earth live in those unreached people groups. What will happen? That's 2,000 years after Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And I don't say this stuff because, like, guilt's really not helpful here. I don't, (laughs) please don't feel guilt or anything other than just being informed about it so you know how to pray. Uh, I want to encourage you to make yourself familiar with these numbers. I talked to you about Operation World. I talked to you about that that app. Joshua Project also has an unreached people of the world app. Why do I encourage you to get informed about this? I was... uh, it was about, I'm going to tell a little bit of my testimony. Some of you have heard this before, but 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, it be 21 or 22 years ago, <laughs> my wife and I were 
well, we weren't married then. I was courting, and um, Beth had been overseas many times. And uh, I was like, that's cool. You do your missionary thing. Keep it up. Yay, Beth. Um, But my future father-in-law came to me. We were going through this process of courtship, and he was challenging me, holding me accountable. And he said, Matt, you know, Beth, if she's going to be your wife, she's a missionary. What are you going to do about that? Well, that's cool, Chuck. She can do her missionary thing. (laughs) I'll stay home with the kids. That's, That's fine. But he began to break my heart. He introduced me to an Iranian I love dearly. He's one of my closest friends. He sent me on mission trips. He's, he did some things, but he started me with prayer. He started me off with making me aware of the situation, letting my heart be broken a little bit more and more over it. Why do I encourage finding out these numbers? So that you know how to pray. So that you can... You can let it have an impact on your life. The 1040 window, five out of six unreached people groups are there. There's 8,008, you can see the numbers, 6,200 of them are unreached. 97% of all the unreached people live there. You know that that's the birthplace of the five major world religions right there. What would I do if I was trying to keep it from happening? Oh, I'd make it difficult to get there. I'd make you afraid of radical Islam. Maybe radical Hindu, Hindus. I'd make it to where it costs a lot of money. I'd make you have to choose. <laughs> so what can we do about it? Well, don't be guilty. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you show me in this? What would you have me do? Not everyone will go. Not everyone's able to. Not everyone's called to. Wait. (laughs) You were listening. I began going on my knees. I began praying for people that I knew were going cross-cultural. And then the Lord said, well, why don't you get involved with them? Give a little money to them whatever, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, start giving towards it, Matt. Lord, what else should I do, Lord? I don't know, become informed. We can start reading, we start learning, we can find out what his word says, it's all over here. There's thousand plus verses about God's heart to reach the nations. We can give towards Bible translation, we can support our church here got a basket in the back we can give to that some of the money that's given goes overseas we can come and gather with the saints and pray for the nations together we can support organizations who are mobilizing and going one of my favorite ways to go though is we can welcome internationals into our nation there's roughly one million students here from Mostly there, the 1040 window in our country right now. The statistics are that if something doesn't change, 86% of those people will return back home having never been invited into an American's home. What? 
true. There, right, which there's probably some at Butler Community College. What can we do about it? There's things we can do, right? We don't have to get on a plane and go all, all the way across the world. There's refugees that are coming frequently. There's 50,000 Somalians in the city of Columbus, Ohio. There's 56,000 in the Minneapolis area. You can't go to Somalia and preach the gospel, <laughs> but you can go to Minneapolis. That's not too bad. It's about an eight or nine hour drive from here. We could let the Lord stir our heart in that way, right? Or you could go short term, medium term, long term. You could encourage those around you that just, they, they talk about it. They can't help it. They can't. So you pray for them. Lord, give them revelation. Lord, show them your path. Show them what it is for their life. Be there to support them and help them on that journey as they are going. When they do go, pray for them. I want to speak a word about the importance of prayer. It was uh, several years ago I went into China. I can't say where I went, but I went to a, into a very unreached, unengaged area at the request of a mission agency to go find out these people. We knew, we, were, we knew they were there, but nobody knew where they were. We had to go find them and find out how to get the gospel to them. We go, and the whole time we're being followed by the police. It's one of the darkest trips I've ever been on. Followed by the police, hauled off to the, to the local jail, take pictures of your passports, phone rings, somehow they let us go. Three times. Three times this happens. Wow, we must not supposed to be here. <laughs> this is hard. We probably shouldn't be here. No, we're absolutely right where we should be. So we're walking along and there's this guy on a motorbike. He's got a camouflage jacket on, probably a guy like one of us. We think he's pretty cool. And he drives by and he does a rubberneck and about wrecks his bike. He can't help but turn around. He comes around, he gra he's like, hi friends, what are you doing here? I'm like, what? He invites us, you have to come to my home, you have to come to my house. Come, I wanna welcome you, come to my house. Okay. So we go there, we're forbidden to share the gospel, we're not allowed to share the gospel. We come into his house and he says, we don't have much. He's got this little coal stove. It's like a, um, I'm trying to think of something that looks like it, but he's got coal. He's lit it up. He's going to cook us a meal. He says, we don't have much, but what we do have, we want to bless you with. The guy doesn't know anything about Jesus. Not a thing. But something's going on in him. I can't, I can't help but bless you. I just want you here. So he feeds us a meal. It's a great time. His wife's there. She loves on us. They love on us. They're just so kind and so hospitable. Not allowed to share Jesus with them. I laid there on that, that living room floor. It was concrete floor. It was disgusting. It was gross. Laying there all night long, couldn't sleep at all, just weeping. Lord, would you save this family? I would have never felt that if I hadn't been there, right? He's going to do it, but he wants us to be with him, wherever it is. I'm laying there, Lord, save these people, save these people. 
left very heartbroken, couldn't preach the gospel. It was the agency that said, don't you dare do it, you'll get our people in trouble. Finished our journey, met another man, very similar, but we get home. Broken over that. Two weeks later, we were notified that uh, there was a house church in the next province over that heard from the Holy Spirit during worship and prayer. You need to go reach these people. And we knew the GPS coordinates of where to send them for their person of peace to go and preach the gospel to them. God is doing something. Some will go, some will not. But you can go through prayer. It was the hardest trip I've been on. I think it has to be one of the hardest trips for me, for my family. Back home, I had people saying, why do you let your husband go do that to my wife? You can encourage somebody's family. Be a part of it. Be a part of the work. Be a part of if somebody, somebody from this church goes to Kansas City, somebody from this church goes to Wichita to Broadway, be a part of it. Join them in prayer. Go with them. Do whatever it takes to be a part of what God is doing. I must do what my Father is doing. That's the heart of Jesus. I have many more things I would be glad to share with you anytime you want to talk. But I want to leave you with this. What is God saying to you right now? Is he challenging you in some way? Let's think about that for a second. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much that you've called us into this glorious work, proclaiming your kingdom wherever we may go. Lord, I thank you for the promise that there's no greater joy, there's no better food than to do the will of the Father. So, Lord, right now, we're, we're just coming to you with open ears, open hearts to hear. And we just ask that you'd speak. Maybe you've already been speaking to us. And if you heard the Lord speak, just say, yes, Lord, I heard you. God, I thank you that you're a God who speaks. You can't help it. You love us. Fiercely love us. Sending your own son as a missionary. <laughs> thank you, Father. All has been said. Lord, I pray that you wipe away anything from me. Just remove it from our hearts. We don't need it. Lord, everything you have spoken, emblazon it on our hearts and our minds that we can't forget it. That the name of Christ would be praised by every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Amen.